find ourselves in John. Chapter 14. Looking at the last two verses. Verses 30 and 31. Hereafter I will not talk much with you. For the prince of this world cometh and had nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the hunger and the thirst that we have for your word. Lord, we thank you that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten Son of the Father. And we thank you that that word who became flesh was Emmanuel, God with us. And in due season, he died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and he rose on the third day. And because of what he's done, because of who he is, we can know him. Because while we were yet in sin, he died for the ungodly. Thank you for what you've done, Heavenly Father. Thank you for what you've given us. Grace us to allow your word to penetrate our hearts. That it may go forth on good ground. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Again, John chapter 14, the last two verses. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you. For the prince of this world cometh and had nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go. Hence. Hallelujah. As we go through these two verses, we're going to come across many points, but we're only going to discuss three. One is, the prince of this world had nothing within Jesus. Two, Jesus was about to show the world that he loved the Father. And three, arise, let us go hence. Hereafter, hereafter what? We look at the first word in these two verses. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you. Hereafter what? Jesus was ministering. He was encouraging the disciples because they were fearful. He, were, he was encouraging the disciples, the disciples and embracing them and encouraging their hearts because a lot was going on. They had just had supper with Jesus. Just fellowship with Jesus. And Jesus, after the supper, girds himself with a towel and gets a basin and goes around to wash the disciples' feet, which was very unusual. Then Jesus was grieved in the spirit, for he said, one of you going to betray me. The same man that spoke to the storm and said, peace be still, said, one of you is going to betray me. The same man 
who spoke and preached a sermon on the mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they mourn, for they should be comforted. The same man that took it where John the Baptist left off and said, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The same man that opened blinded eyes, the same man that raised the dead, the man, God-man, Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. And fear grips their hearts. Uncertainty grips their heart because they didn't know who it was. And they wondered who is going to betray, not Jesus. Not our Lord, not our disciple, not our teacher, not God in the flesh, not the Messiah. So fear gripped their hearts. An uncertainty gripped their hearts. And then, all of a sudden, Judas sleeps. They don't know where he went. Then Jesus tells them, I'm about to go somewhere where you cannot come. So they're even more concerned and more anxious. And finally, Peter tells Jesus before the cock, the uh, uh, denies me, or before the cock crows, you're going to deny me. The same man who said that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, the same man that walked with Jesus, he was in Jesus' In the circle, James, Peter, and John, God told Peter, before the cup grows, you're going to deny me three times. They're fearful. They're doubtful. They're full of uncertainty. They're nervous. They're scared. They're afraid. Jesus is leaving us, and one of us is going to betray him, and then Peter's going to deny him? Jesus began to comfort their hearts. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You've been trusted in God. Kind of like Abraham trusted in God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they trusted in God. As the children of Israel approached the Red Sea, Moses trusted in God. And God parted the Red Sea. Let not your heart be troubled, Jesus encourages them. Believe in God, believe also in me. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going away, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back. This separation is temporary. You're going to be okay. And I'm leaving for your good. And God's glory. But you're good. So I can imagine, maybe they felt a little relief. I don't know, I wasn't there. But Jesus was comforting them. And he was encouraging them. Later on within this chapter, he said, if you love me, Keep my commandments. You hate that I'm leaving and one of you is going to betray me and all these things are going on. If you love me, keep my commandments. 
and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter. I know I've been your comfort as I've walked with you. I've been your comfort as I've taught you. As I've been discipling you, I've been your comfort. But God is going to send you, the Father is going to send you another comforter who shall abide with you forever. Hallelujah. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. He goes on and he tells him, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world give, it, give on to you. He encouraged the hearts. But then he gets to verse 30. When we get to verse 30, he shifts. He's been encouraging the hearts. But in verse 30 he says, Hereafter I will not talk much with you. Hereafter, after this moment, we've had supper. I've encouraged you. I've been encouraging you. I've taken time out to talk to you, to meet your need, your hurting, your doubtful, I understand. But hereafter, I will not talk much with you. Which leads us to our first point. The prince of this world had nothing within Christ. You know how somebody comes to you with an accusation and if you've done it, there's guilt. If you've done it, there's shame. If you've done it, there's a restriction you feel. If you've done it, there's a debt you owe. You owe me because you cheated me. You owe me because you lied to me. You owe me because you mistreated me. Jesus never lied. Jesus never sinned. So there was nothing that Satan could accuse him of. Look at what he says in verse 30. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and had nothing in me. Second Corinthians 5 and 21 says, For he had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Christ had to be made sin. Christ had to be made guilty. Christ had to be made a debtor because he didn't owe Satan anything. He never sinned. There was no accusation. There was nothing that Satan could hold him in guilt. There was nothing that Satan could accuse him of to restrict him from doing God's will. Satan had nothing in him. And they sure tried to find fault, didn't they? They accused Jesus of this, and they accused Jesus of that, and they accused the disciples of this, and they accused the disciples of that. The disciples had sin. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The disciples had sin, but Jesus said, the prince of this world had nothing in me. Adam and Eve needed intervention. 
Because they sinned. They had something that Satan could accuse them of. God said, of all the trees, you may eat freely, but the tree in the midst of the garden, thou shalt not eat of it. And because they sinned against God, Satan has something to accuse them. Satan has something he can use against them. But Jesus never sinned. Amen? Amen. David needed a mediator because he sinned against God. He looked upon a woman with lust and had another man's wife and then had the man killed. Satan, David gave the enemies of God reason to blaspheme because of this. There was something that Satan had against David. Something could go to God with concerning David that restricted David from being totally right with God. Sin. But Jesus never sinned. Jesus never sinned in action. He never sinned in word. He never sinned in thought. The prince of this world is Satan. The prince of this world is the accuser of the brethren. And without Christ, all of us are guilty. Every one of us stands accused and guilty before God without Christ. Because all have sinned. Now, you may not have sinned like your neighbor. You may not have sinned like Adam and Eve. But the Bible says none is righteous. No, not one. But Christ, the God-man, for unto us a child is born. And unto us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and they shall call him Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. Satan had nothing to accuse him, nothing to restrict him, nothing to charge him. Jesus was totally free to obey God and honor his Father. Because he never sinned. Noah sinned against God. But Jesus never sinned. Don't y'all know that Moses couldn't go to a promised land due to his sin? He was supposed to speak to the rock. And in his anger, he hit the rock. And said, must I get water out of this rock for you? He could not go to my promised land because he had sinned. There are certain jobs that cannot be had due to past records. There are certain jobs that you go to apply for and if you're a felon or you got a certain past records, you won't be hired. There's something against you. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. devour. He could not devour Jesus. Not just because he is God, but because he was perfect. 
Y'all remember after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, Satan came to him, tempted him. He was tempted by the lust of the flesh, and Satan tempted him by the lust of the eye, and Satan tempted him by the pride of life, and he never sinned. Hallelujah. Jesus tells him, Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and has nothing in me. Hallelujah. Point two. Jesus was about to show the world that he loves the Father. There were so many things that Jesus did, not for the Father's sake, but for our sake. There were things that Jesus wanted to prove to us, his people. You remember when Satan, Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and said, said if you be, then turn your stones into bread. But you know what? Jesus had nothing to prove to Satan. So he said, it is written, man should not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So then Satan takes him to the pinnacle, the top of a temple, and says, if you're the son of God, jump down for what is written. But Jesus had nothing to prove to Satan. Nothing. Finally, Jesus shows him all the glory and all the wealth of the world and the kingdoms and said, all this will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. But Jesus was victorious over the wiles of the devil, the tricks of the devil, the temptations. He was successful without sin. But Jesus said, I'm about, Jesus said, but that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father had gave me commandment, even so I do, arise, let us go hence. He wanted to prove. He proved. He had to prove. He had to prove. Think about it. When Jesus got baptized, the Spirit came down like a dove. And the voice of heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I well please. Did that happen for Jesus' sake? No. Jesus didn't need that confirmation. Jesus already knew who he is. Jesus knows who he is. He didn't need the spirit to come down in confirmation. He didn't need the father to say, this is my beloved son. But you and I needed that. He did that for our sake. Matthew 9 and 6 says, But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then said he to the sick of the palsy, Arise and take up thy bed and go unto thine house. There was a man who had palsy. He was restricted in his movements. He couldn't move. He had to be assisted everywhere he went. And Jesus tells this man, your sins are forgiven you. And then they're having crazy thoughts. Who is this man that he can forgive sins? He's speaking blasphemous. So Jesus says, you know what? So that you know who I am. So that you know I have power to forgive sins. Not only am I going to say that to this man, but I'm going to have him get up and walk to prove to you who I am. 
Genesis 22 and 9, it says, And they came to the place which God had told them of, and Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God. Abraham was tested to show that he feared God. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. Jesus said, but that the world may know that I love the Father. Philippians 2 and 7, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. That wasn't for his sake. That was for our sake. Jesus proved not only that he's God. Jesus proved not only that he loves us, but he proved that he loved the Father. So we have no excuse. The Bible says, Jesus said, it's good. It's, not, it's good for you to be like your master and like your Lord. Jesus is showing us and he proved us that he's God. He showed us and he proved us that he was a servant. He showed us and he proved us that he loved the Father. And in the same way that he was committed to the Father, we are, be, are to be committed to the Father. We're to love the Father. We're to love one another. We're to follow the example that he set. He didn't live the life for him, this life for himself. But he lived it for us. And he didn't die for himself. He died for us. And that he lived and that he died, he did all to the glory of the Father. And he showed it. Talk is cheap. You've heard the adage. Talk is cheap. You can say anything. Put your money where your mouth is. In other words, Jesus proved who he is. Jesus proved his love for us and for the Father. And finally, arise, let us go hence. There comes a time to where talking is over. There comes a time that encouragement is over. There comes a time to where these boots are made for walking. And now it's time to do it. There comes a time when the rubber meets the road. In other words, you prepare and you get ready and you're encouraged and you're strengthened and you know the word and you learn the catechisms. And you learn the books of the Bible. And you learn the scripture. And you learn what the Bible says. Now it's time to walk it out. Amen? God gives us the strength to walk it out. He gives stability. Look at what he tells us. But that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father has given commandment, even so I do. Arise. Let us go 
Vince, it's time to walk. It's time to walk. In 1 Samuel, chapter 17 and 48, and it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hastened and ran toward the army to meet Goliath. David talked a lot of talk when it came to Goliath. His brothers accused him of being arrogant and talking a lot. And in response to the talking, David said, is there not a cause? We have this uncircumcised Philistine cursing us, cursing God. What are we going to do about it? Everyone was afraid. From the most fiercest warrior down to the servant, the king, everyone was afraid to stand before Goliath. So all this talking David was doing, all this bragging on God, all this talking about how God would deliver, all this talking about what David did with the lion, what David did with the bear. So he came before the king, and he talked this talk, and he testified. And then the king said, well, why don't you try on this armor? I can't, I'm not, I don't know how to, I'm not skilled in walking around with this um, I have proved this. I don't need this. But when it was time to put his money where his mouth was, he didn't walk haphazardly toward Goliath. He didn't walk lackadaisically toward Goliath. He ran toward Goliath. There comes a time to where talking is over. It's time to fight. The Bible says we're to fight the good fight of faith. And praise God is not something that we do within our own strength. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, 48, that David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Let us be like Christ today. Christ talked and he encouraged But there was a time when he stopped talking. There was a time when he just did it. And that's the call for us. If ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things that is earth, the Bible says. The Bible says, that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Jesus told them that I go away, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. Jesus told them, if you trust in me, if you keep my commandments, I'm going to pray the Father and the Holy Spirit and the Father, and I, we're going to make our bow with you. All this encouragement, all this power, all this strength, all this instruction, now it's time to walk it out. But it's okay. Because even though we've been anxious, and even though we've been fearful, and even though different things have been competing for our loyalties, we can walk this out because greater is he in us than he is in the world. We can walk this out 
Because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. We can walk this out because God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. We can walk this out because it's already been worked out. He who knew no sin became sin for you. While we were yet in sin, Christ died for the ungodly. We have peace with God because of what Christ has done. Because of what Christ has done, we've been positioned with Christ. We've been positioned with God through repentance and belief of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's time to walk it out. We've been encouraged. We know what we know. We've seen what we've seen. God has spoken. It's time to cry out to God for salvation. It's time to cry out to God through repentance and belief and trust in Christ. And it's time to walk this thing out. God will enable us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. As we live a life of repentance and belief. God will enable us to lay aside every weight and every sin that he lived beside us as we live a life through repentance and belief, trust in Christ. When we're anxious, the Bible says be anxious for nothing. Don't live your life in anxiety. Don't live your life with fear. Don't be anxious. But in everything, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Why? Because you are no longer an enemy of God through Christ Jesus. God is your friend. You are a friend of God because of what Jesus Christ has done. And through repentance and belief, we receive that. Bible says think of things that are virtuous. Think of things that are pure. Things that are lovely. God will give us the ability to be at peace because of what Christ has done through repentance and belief. So let's be encouraged today. God is with us if we trust in Christ through repentance and belief. Maybe you haven't been trusting in Christ in repentance and belief. Maybe you've been your own God. Maybe you've been doing what you want to do and not repenting of your sin, not turning away from your sin, not mortifying your flesh. Maybe you have been your own God. Maybe you've allowed anxiety to grip you and fear to grip you. Maybe you've been walking in fear. Praise God. It's time to cry out to God for salvation. It's not a crowd to God through repentance and belief. God is able, amen. <laughs> with man, with you, with me, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I do arise. Let us go hence. In other words, this present location where we've been talking, this present location. Well, I've been encouraging you. This present location where you've been receiving strength, it's time to go from here and walk it out. But don't worry. He'll be with us. Amen. He'll never leave us. 
or forsake us. But it'll be with us always, even to the end of the world. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for your encouragement, Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that the prison of this world has nothing in Christ. And Lord, because of what Christ has done and the repentance of belief, the prison of this world has nothing on us. We're more than conquerors through him that loves us. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Lord, we thank you. The prison of this world has nothing in us. And Lord, we thank you that Jesus proved us his love for the brother. Jesus proved us that he is God. Jesus proved us that he loved you, Father. Grace us to love the brother. Grace us to love you. Grace us to love him. Grace us to walk by faith, which is what you require of us, Heavenly Father. And Lord, we thank you that Jesus said, Arise, let us go hence. Grace us to walk with Christ through repentance and belief. Grace us, Lord God. Touch our hearts, Lord God, that we would turn away from our sinful ways, that we would turn away from the things of this world. Touch our heart, Lord God, that we would, be, that we would run to you in repentance and belief of the gospel. In Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for the joy that we get in following you, for the peace that we have in knowing you. Restore the joy of our salvation. Grace us, Lord God, to walk this out. In Jesus' name, hallelujah.